You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Kids, okay. Empty. So we have a guest uh, preacher today, and I'm excited to introduce to you to Pastor Jorge Piña. Come up, Jorge. Uh, he will introduce himself. But uh, we want to uh, we want to uh, pray for him before he starts, and, and then we'll just let him uh, speak to us. Uh, dear Jesus, thank you for um, the blessing, the example, and the encouragement that Jorge has already been to me, to our church. And I pray that today you would use them, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us um, through him, and I pray that you will open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to receive your word with gladness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jorge. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Choi. I want to make sure I put my timer here so that I don't go too long. Um, I want to start by sharing a story of, you know, when I went to Pakistan and to Liberia, first in Liberia uh, to to uh, smuggle Bibles. As I went to Liberia, we stopped in a Middle East country, 99% uh, Muslim, and God put in my heart and on, on my team to go and smuggle Arabic Bibles in this Muslim country, which is illegal. If you get caught, you get put in jail anywhere from three months to six months to maybe even longer, because uh, the laws over there are not very, you know, fair. And, and the other thing is, God put in our hearts to also go to Pakistan, which is the fifth country that kills most Christians. And you might be wondering, why in the world, Jorge, will you do such a crazy, crazy thing? Sorry about that. <laughs> Rocky is the one who motivated me. No, that's not true. Sorry about that. Uh, so why in, why in the world will you do that? How did you just get this boldness? to all of a sudden go to a Muslim country and, and smuggle Arabic Bibles, or to go to the fifth country that kills most Christians to do open-air crusades. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't. But something happened in my life that I believe you guys have been studying in the book of Acts chapter 1 and 2 that changed my life forever. Forever. So I was not always that crazy and that bold, in a sense. So the, 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 what happened in my life is that Jesus came into my life. Jesus came and radically transformed my life. The Holy Spirit came and caused havoc in my life and radically changed me to the core so that I will never be the same. There was no, you know, psychiatrist. There was no magic pill that anyone could have given me to radically change me. And that's what we read in the Bible. As you are studying the book of Acts, you will see how the Holy Spirit transformed a guy by the name of Saul to become Paul, right? A guy that was just persecuting Christians and taking them to jail and also just, you know, uh, even seeing uh, Stephen being being stoned to death, and, and he didn't care. He was, in, in other words, happy about that. But then something happened to him that erratically changed him. 
something. And that something is the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so that he was never the same after that. And that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. And I believe that's what happens to every single Christian. That when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, just as the scripture says, you shall receive power. Acts chapter 1 and 2. You have been studying it. And then let me, let me just tell you this. And, and just please just think about that for a minute. Because too often we read the Bible and and we say, oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. But the question is, do you truly believe that? Because some of the things that we believe as Christians are pretty wild. I mean, we believe that a donkey spoke. I mean, come on. We believe that, you know, all the animals were in the ark, right? We believe that a, a serpent I also spoke. We believe that water was turned into wine. I mean, those are pretty crazy things. You know, when I talk to atheists about the gospel, uh, so that's some of the things that they, that they challenge me, right? They're all about science and all of those things. And I said to them, you know, if you are an atheist and if your God is science, then you will never become a Christian. You'll never become a Christian. Because as a Christian, I believe in miracles. I believe that water was turning to wine, which is literally impossible. It's scientifically impossible. Water doesn't get turned into wine. It is scientifically impossible. It's not going to happen. But God, the God that we serve, the God that we believe in is above, above those things. And that's what we as Christians need to understand, that when we read the Word of God, you know, we say that this is the word of God, but do we truly believe it? Do we truly believe it? You know, this is the only book, the only book in the history of the world, the most, the most radical book. This book is the only book that is prohibited in many countries. You might be wondering why. Has that ever crossed to your mind? Why is this book so dangerous? Why is it that they don't want them in their countries? Why is it that they don't allow it to come to their, to their countries? Because it is living. It is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. That if you read it, your life will never be the same. It will radically change you. It will pierce your heart. It will even... It, it will even discern the thoughts of your mind. And that's what happened to me. That's how I became a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. Both of my parents are Christian. You know, I went to Sunday school. I did the, all the Christian things. But then I started walking away. I started getting involved in sports by the grace of God. God blessed me with some uh, sport uh, abilities, athletic abilities. So I received a scholarship to come to the U.S. to play baseball and basketball. And then I started drifting. I started walking away from everything that my parents taught me. Everything. And I started, I got involved in drug trafficking. And I was living radically for the devil. I was trafficking drugs. I was living a life of sin. And then nothing could stop me. Nothing. I had no fear of men. 
And my parents were praying for me. The church was praying for me. There were many people praying for me. Why? Because they knew that there was only one thing, only one person that was going to be able to radically change my life. There was only one hope, and that hope was Jesus. That's it. Nothing else, nothing more. And I want to start sharing that with you so that if you have family members, if you are praying for people, I want to tell you that there is nothing that is going to radically change them but the gospel. The gospel. Only Jesus can change them. I don't care how much therapy they go through. I don't care how many uh, medicine they take. Nothing is going to radically change them other than the gospel. I've seen it time after time. Drug addicts. Boom. God touches them. Never the same. Never the same. A transgender from the homosexual parade was about to cut his private parts off. And then God showed up. God touched that man. And now he's no longer the same. Now he's preaching the gospel boldly. Homosexual guy at the homosexual parade got touched by the Holy Spirit. Again, no longer the same. And I could go on and on and on with stories. Drunkards. That when God touched them, they had never be the same. And we read in the scriptures, and we're going to dig right into it. Acts chapter 1, you guys have been studying this. And I'm just going to give a quick summary of what all the things that you have been studying and I, I hope that as, as I share this, it will just, you know, really deep, uh, sink deep in your heart. You know, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving ex- instructions through the Holy Spirit, the apostles ha- he had chosen... After his suffering, he showed himself to this man and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them for a period of over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, this is one of the things that I want to highlight here. So just think about this for a minute. So the disciples were hanging out with Jesus for about three years. They saw him doing miracles. They saw him, you know, turning, um, you know, the the, uh, water into wine. They saw him multiplying the bread. They saw him spitting on the ground, making mud, putting it on the guy's eyes. And then the guy got, you know, healed. They saw all these miracles. And they were like, this is the Messiah. This is it. This is the guy that is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Right? And they were like, yes, we are with the right guy. And they thought, well, we're going to conquer now. The next next thing you know, Jesus gets killed, gets crucified, and what happens to all of them? They scatter. They quit, right? Peter, I mean, Peter denied Jesus, denied Christ. I mean, he was like, he became such a coward that even when a little girl asked him, hey, uh, aren't you the one that was hanging out with Jesus? He's like, 
no, 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 I don't know him. You know, and it says that they, he cursed. I don't know what cursed words he used, but it says there that he cursed. And they were all, quote unquote, cowards. They ran away because the guy that they thought was going to conquer Israel, you know, had, had died. But then we see here that he resurrected, and now it's like, oh, now we're back again. We're back in the game. Now we're going to conquer. And then, you know, God, Jesus gave many convincing proofs, and I'm just going to share one of my favorites. I cannot, I cannot come here and, and teach about this passage and not share with you one of, the, one of my favorite convincing proofs that Jesus gave to his disciples. And uh, you, have, you might have your favorite, favorites, but this is my favorite. Jesus ate fish tacos with his disciples. I knew it. I knew, I knew Jesus was a Latino Jew. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. That's really one of my favorites. So, so, yeah, so Jesus, you know, he appeared to over 500. He gave convincing proofs. He spoke about the kingdom of God. And, and then in verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that they needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that they needed this Soaking this immersion, this indwelling, this empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to fulfill the mission that he had for them. But you'll see right here that they still didn't understand. Why? Because they were still full with zeal. It tells, it tells us on the next verse, you know, verse 7. Actually, verse 6. They, they said to him, hey, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time? going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they were still thinking, hey, now we're going to, now that you're back, we're, we're going to take the city. We're going to do this. Now we have you back again with us. We're going to do this. But Jesus said, no, 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 not yet. This is what you need. He knew exactly what they needed. They needed the Holy Spirit. They needed to be indwelled. Empowered, strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And let's continue. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be what? My witnesses. My witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. So this is what happens when you receive the power, when you receive the Holy Spirit. You want to go and be a witness. You want to go and share what God has done in your life. We see it in every passage of scripture that when God, you know, when Jesus came and he touched people and he radically changed them, they couldn't they couldn't stop but telling everybody they came uh, in contact with, of what he had done in their lives. They couldn't stop it. 
They kept going and going, telling others, look, this is what Jesus has done in my life. This is what he's done. This is how he has radically transformed my life. And I know that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, there's many things, many things, many testimonies that you can share over and over and over again to other people of what God has done in your life. Amen? I mean, is there any? If I were to ask you, is there anything that God has done in your life that is just incredible that you have to share with others? I mean, am I the only one here? No, right? We all have. We all have many testimonies, many things that God has done in our lives to share with others. So I want to encourage you today to be a witness to tell others what God has done, what God is doing in your life, and also what you're hoping, what you're praying, what you're asking to do in your life. Because he does that. We know that God answers prayer. You know, when I'm out there telling people about Jesus, I tell them, look, I mean, it's not fair because I have a God that I speak with, and then, you know, I talk to him, and he does things that you cannot do on your own. That's the type of God that we have. You know, when I need finances, I tell people, hey, look, I have a rich dad. And his name is Jesus. All I need to do is make a phone call. Give me a minute. I need to make a phone call. And i got to talk to him. And i tell him my, what my need is. And guess what? He will satisfy my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I don't know what your need is, but make those phone calls. Make those phone calls and share how God has provided, how, what God has done in your life. Even the small things, you'll be surprised how big those things are. Because people out there, they're looking for hope. That's what, this is what they need. The Bible says that there's people out there waiting, waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to display the glory of God. To display the light, the fire that is in you. Your fire is so contagious that as you go and show and demonstrate the presence of God in you, the ministry of presence is so powerful because the Holy Ghost lives in you. And as you go, enter into conference rooms, marketplace, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit that dwells and lives inside of you will just change the atmosphere and will radically change what is happening just because you are there. And, and guess what? Even in a greater way than when you, when you open your mouth, God will even use it in greater ways. You know, there's one thing that God cannot use. And that's your silence. God cannot use that. If you just stay there and don't say anything, God cannot use that. But you need to speak. You need to open your mouth. And guess what? God, guess what? God will use it as you do that. Amen? So Jesus told the disciples, say, hey, you, you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. And, you know, after that, in verse 9, he said, he said this. He was taken up before their own eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight, and they were looking intently up into the sky as, they, as, as he was going, when suddenly 
two men dressed in white stood beside them and said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way uh, you have seen him go into heaven. So, yeah, the disciples were just staring there. They were waiting. They were just like in awe. And then the angel appeared, and he gave them the instructions, right? You have instructions on what to do. God has already told you what to do. Go and do it. And the disciples went and obeyed. Verse 12, they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. A Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the, to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, and it gives the whole list of the disciples. And let me just make a parenthesis there. You know, I was in Jerusalem at the beginning of this year. And it is just amazing, you know, talking about the Word of God and how the Word of God is it's real. And how the Word of God is alive. You know, if you have never been to Israel, I, I, you know, I just encourage you that you put it on your bucket list. Why? Because... You know, the things that we read in the Bible, it, when you go there, I mean, it's just com it completely, you know, just changes the way you read the Bible. Right now, I think we read it in black and red. But when you read the Bible after going to Israel, you read it in color because that you see the sights. It is amazing. You know, when I was there, I would ask questions. So where is the mountain of uh, Mount of Olives? Okay, sir, that's over there. Where's the Mount of Transfiguration? Okay, that's over there, sir. And where is, you know, where is uh, the, the uh, mountain where the Sermon of the Mountain took place? Okay, that's over there. We're going to go and see that, you know, tomorrow. And, and I could go on and on and on and on. It's, it's not like maybe or perhaps or uh, tradition tells us that, you know, this is where they think uh, this happened. No. It's like. That happened here. That happened there. It is still there. And the more we dig out of the ground, the more we find the Bible to be true. And there is still, I mean, they will tell you, they will tell you, there are so many sites that we still have not been able to excavate because of lack of resources or also because the, the, uh, the weather, you know, they can only excavate at a certain time of the year. So it's just... It's just taking them years to be able to dig more things out of the ground. So that just to encourage you that this book right here, it is what we believe it is. The word of God. The word of God. These are the words that God spoke and then we have it in writing for us to read them. So let's continue. So the disciples gather they were gathering in the upper room. They were praying. And if you go to Jerusalem, you'll get to visit uh, the upper room that is there. And something happened when they were in the upper room. They were together in one accord. In, in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, you know, a sound like a blowing, blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what it seemed to be tongues of fire and that separated and came and rest on each and one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we see what happened after that, right? The miracle came where all the people that were there from all, 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 all different parts of the world, they heard them speak in their own language. As they spoke in tongues, they heard them speak on their own language, and they understood that they were thinking about the amazing things of God. And this is what changed Peter and the, all the disciples, right there, that moment. Because they no longer were cowards. What happened right after that? After the Holy Spirit came upon Peter and all the disciples, what did Peter do? Did he cower back again? No. No, he preached boldly to thousands of people. So before he cowered down when there was a little girl and when they asked him if he was the one hanging out with Jesus. But no, he preached boldly and he even told them, you crucified Jesus. Can you imagine? Now he was telling them right in their face that you're the one who crucified the Christ. I mean, he knew that if we were saying that, it was like, oh, game over. You're done. But something happened to him that he was so bold that now he was preaching to the crowds and he preached the gospel boldly. And we, we read that over 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus and were baptized. Right? And one day, the, the church became a mega church. One day. And then not only that, we, we read at the end of the book of Acts that the people started doing some radical things. They, I mean, some people started selling their properties and giving them money. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's crazy to me. I'm, I'm, I have a, you know investment property. I haven't sold it to just give the money away to somebody. But they started doing some crazy things. That the Holy Spirit started moving in a way that they were living radically for Jesus. They started loving people with this radical love that it was unexplainable. And that's what God is calling you and me to do. To love people with this radical love. And I'm not saying go and sell your home and, and give the money to the church. Unless God tells you, you go ahead and do that. God will put it, those things in your heart. He's made me do radical things. But God will move and speak to you directly. He will just give you that whisper, right? That still small voice. I mean, you know it. I don't have to, you know, tell you here. Sometimes you just, just feel it in your gut, in your heart. And you're like, man, this, I know this is God talking to me. And I just got to do it. You know, you feel that nudge, that just, that, that uh, still um, small voice. And sometimes, like to me, and I don't know if this happens to you, sometimes it's like loud as a trumpet. And sometimes it's like a slap on the face. Jorge, I told you to do this. Come on, wake up. He does that to me. I don't know if he does that to you. Yeah, sometimes it's like his whisper, and he tells me, Jorge, do this. And I've done that. But sometimes it's like, boom, wake up, Jorge. What are you doing? Stop doing what you're doing. Get, get in the game. 
Now, I want to share a couple of things that, you know, God made me do since all these things started happening to me. You know, you share, yeah, I share about two things, right? I went to uh, smuggle Bibles in Arabic. I went to Pakistan. Then another thing that God had in my, put in my heart to do, he put in my heart to give my car away to a former Muslim that had become a Christian, young man that had become a Christian, and now goes around the country in the car that, that God put in my heart to give away doing evangelistic crusades. And I'm telling you, you know, when God put that in my heart, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I talked to my wife and my wife was like, no, <laughs> we're not doing that. And I was like, but God is putting this in my heart. I prayed and I, I'm sure God is telling me to do this. And my wife said, no. And I say, have you prayed about it? Have you talked to God about that? I mean, I know you're telling me no, but have you gone and talked to him? And have you heard from him? And she said, no. <laughs> I said, well, how about you go and do that? And she did. And guess what? She came back and she said, let's do it. Let's do it. And we did it. We gave the car away on one of our crusades. We gave the car away. And an amazing thing happened. Number one, this brother, the next crusade that he did after that, a thousand people came to the crusade. Hundreds of people gave their lives to Jesus. But not only that, after we followed obeying God by giving the car away, the either next week or two weeks after that, one of my neighbors, who is not a Christian, came to my dad, and he said, and he calls him brother. He said, brother, um, would you like to have my truck? And, and uh, it's a Ram, no, Ram uh, 150 or, yeah, R Dodge. Yes, I'm not get very good with truck names. But he's like, would you like to have my truck? I'll give it to you. And I was like, God, this is not fair. I'm the one who gave my car away, and my dad is the one who's getting blessed. <laughs> With the car, I'm still driving, you know, the soccer mom uh, minivan that I, that I swear that I will never drive a soccer mom minivan. But, I mean, it's just amazing. As you follow God in obedience, then what the things that he does. So I just want to encourage you with that. And, you know, as you let the Holy Spirit just flow in you and through you, you watch what he does. He will cause you to do, yes, some radical things. But it's okay. It's okay. Because that's what, that's the God that we serve. He's done radical things for us. So we're just doing what we see our dad do. We just look like him. And that means his time is up. So, so I just want to finish with this. that let, Do not quench the Holy Spirit that is in you. Let it, let it burn. Let it burn like wildfire. Let it burn like wildfire. Don't, don't try to control it. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I guarantee you. Give him your finances. Give him, throw yourself at the offering plate. 
Give him everything that you have, everything that you are. Just put it all at the altar. Empty your pockets. God, him, God himself, he did that. He emptied heaven. He gave us Jesus, his all. Let's do the same. And I can guarantee you, not because I say so, but because the word of God tells you that if, that if you invest your life and everything you have in the gospel, then you'll receive a hundredfold here on this earth and in the, in the years to come. You'll have a huge, huge heavenly account, heavenly account just to throw crowns at the feet of Jesus. Now, the other thing is let's do it together. Don't do it alone. This run doesn't, is not to be ran alone. You have brothers and sisters. You have a church. You have this local church that you need to lock arms with, to your, with your brothers and sisters. And let's do it together and watch what God will do with people that will radically love Jesus and will radically do things for the gospel. Saints, it is time. It is time for the church to stop being lukewarm. It is time for the church to get on fire for Jesus. It is time for the church to step up and do what we're called to do. It is time for you guys here at this place to just radically change this school for Jesus. To start doing some radical things that everyone in this school will start talking about it. Those people from that new city church or whatever, they're so crazy for Jesus. They gave us this. They gave us, you know, like we done with the college students. They came and gave us 200 burritos. <laughs> and they were like, what? Free burritos? Sign me up. We had a whole line of students. And they were like, what's the catch? No catch. We just want to bless you. Like, what? You want to bless me? You just want to give me free food, free burritos? College students were crazy because every other organization go there and they tried to get, they tried to take, 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 take. And we went there and we just blessed them radically. Free burritos, free pizza. We just went and we just blessed them. And everybody started talking about the burritos. And then we started praying for them. We started just laying hands on them, praying for them. And boom, started seeing the power of God just changing them. Because they saw that we were there to love them with this radical love that only Jesus can love them. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, just want to thank you for your church. Thank you for every brother and sister here, Father. I thank you, Father. I just pray, Lord, that you stir up. I pray that you provoke them, that you do something in their hearts and their lives, Lord, that they will not stay comfortable where they are, Lord, but that you will stir them up to take action, Lord, to do what you're calling them to do, Lord. You're doing something in their lives, Lord, so I just pray, Lord, that they will just take action, that they will not quench the Holy Spirit that is burning inside of them, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that they will just do as you call them to do and that they will come together as, a, as the church that they are here locally and do some radical things, Lord. They, they will sow some radical seeds for a radical harvest. I pray, Lord, that this church will stop sowing 
ordinary seeds for ordinary harvest. I pray, Lord, that they will just do radical things for your honor, for your glory, Lord. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for the breakthrough, for the different things that you are doing in each and one of their lives, Lord. And I just want to invite you here, if you want us to pray for you, uh, Pastor Chuy and I, we're just going to pray for you afterwards. Uh, they will indicate uh, you when that is. And we just, I just want to pray for you and whatever need you might have, we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit just move in your life in a way that you have never seen before. So I just pray for that uh, time, Lord, as we come together in prayer. And we just thank you for what you're going to do in the mighty name of Jesus, 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 we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jorge.